You are listening to United and Resilient, a podcast designed to help heal and support the El Paso community. I am your host, Oscar Arriaga, Outreach Coordinator for the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center, a program of United Way of El Paso County. We are dedicated to serve those who are impacted directly or indirectly by August 30. Join us on the journey to long-term recovery as we have honest conversations with local leaders, mental health specialists, and fellow Pasoans who share their stories and expertise. We feature topics that influence and impact the vitality and resilience of our community. We are El Paso United and together we heal. Juntos sanamos. Dear listener, before we begin, a note of warning. The topic we are about to explore contains a mention of the mass casualty events and a description of the events that unfolded thereafter. This episode may not be suitable for everyone. Please note any views or opinions shared in this program are personal and belong solely to the individual and do not represent the United Way of El Paso County or the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center. Any views or opinions are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, or individual. Thank you for listening to our podcast. This episode is dedicated to mental health for athletes. The vast majority of us know that exercise is good for our minds as well as our bodies. When you exercise regularly, you are happier and healthier. Today, we will be learning how athletes combat different types of stresses that come with playing their sport, building an athlete's mindset, and why confidence, building, health, fitness, skills, community, friendship, well-being, and of course, mental health make an impact on your athletic performance. Joining us are two professional ladies dedicated to building an active, healthy community and making it easier for all of us to be physically active, knocking down barriers to needed care and mental support, while creating opportunities for people to improve their physical and mental health. And with us, we have Naomi Briones, who is a licensed associate counselor, currently working towards her professional counseling license. She is a race director for Race El Paso and an avid triathlete. She earned her bachelor's in psychology from Northern Arizona University and a master's in professional counseling from Grand Canyon University. As an athlete, she has experienced the point in a race where your body is done, everything inside you just wants to quit, and it all comes down to your mental strength to keep you moving forward. Naomi also has experience working with professional and amateur athletes within her counseling position. She continues to explore and understand how mental health and sports work together to bring success in sport and life. Also with us, Gabriela Gallegos, which she is the president and founder of Race El Paso. She's an attorney and associate professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston School of Public Health. A graduate of El Paso's Loreto Academy, who continued with her Bachelor of Arts at Cornell University, also continued with her Master's in Public Policy and a Law Degree from University of California, Berkeley. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks, we're excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. I'm going to begin first uh, with Ms. Naomi Briones. Please tell us about yourself, your profession, share with us your academic and your professional achievements, and include your journey to soon earning your professional counseling license. Yeah, as you said, pursued my bachelor's in psychology um, just because I was interested in the helping professions. Wasn't really sure what to do with it, but that's where it got me started. And then went back to school about a few years later, 
to get my master's in professional counseling. So I've been in the field for a couple years now working with clients via telehealth from my practice in Arizona. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to get my independent level license as that will allow me to get licensed in Texas and New Mexico. And so then I can start working kind of with local, with the local community a little bit more. So I'm looking forward to that. Awesome. And you're also the race director for Race El Paso. I am. Yep. So that's brand new this year, 2023. I got certified and have put on our first two events, uh, running race and then our Mighty Mujer Triathlon mm -hmm. earlier this year. So I'm excited to kind of continue in that endeavor as my second job. That keeps you busy. Yes, it definitely does. <laughs> and also with us is Ms. Gabriela Gallegos. Ms. Gallegos, we want to know your academic and professional career achievements too, and do include your journey towards being the president and founder of Race El Paso and a social professor at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston. Sure, thank you so much. So my career is a little bit different than other people's. You might be a little bit more linear. Um, I started out as an attorney working at a large law firm and it was during that time that I participated in my first triathlon and that changed my life. So it was really a transformative experience that I was able to set a goal and achieve it. I did not grow up athletic, was not part of team sports or individual sports. So that was a whole new thing to me. Mm -hmm. I decided to move back to El Paso and when I returned, that was in 2008, I saw a very different El Paso than I remembered. I saw dialysis centers, I saw a lack of trails and infrastructure, and I also had found this sport that I love. That was really my motivation to start Race El Paso and bring triathlon to this community in a more professional way. Previously, participants or athletes here in El Paso had to travel for races, mm -hmm. and that really makes it less accessible for anybody in the community. It would take a whole lot of motivation to say, I want to go do my first race, and it's going to be in California. So I need to save up and, and get there, as well as figure out how to do the sport. So that was about 15 years ago. We have now put on Gosh, between four and seven races each year since, and I've been a race director for about 15 years. Uh -huh. um, a few years back, I got more involved in policy work, and so I wanted to go back into that line of work. And it was Race El Paso and the work that I had done with trying to get our community more active and more physically active specifically that led me to public health. So now my research is about food access, helping to make healthy choices more affordable and accessible, as well as motivating people in our community to be more physically active. Oh, wonderful. And both of you still uh, avid physically active triathletes or, yes. or yes. In maybe in your own discipline, swimming, uh, running, cycling. Mm -hmm. Where do you find the time? And I want to begin with that, with the physical training for competing in a triathlon. An endurance sport uh, where the individual must train over long distances in swimming, cycling, and running, uh, respectively. And maybe also you got to commit to other conditioning exercises, I imagine. What's the, how does that physical aspect of training look like for a triathlete? So you might have somebody who is starting out with a sprint and the sprint in the triathlon world starts with a swim that might be anywhere from 300 to 700 yards. Um, it can be in a pool, a lake, or an ocean. Mm -hmm. And then a bike course, um, mm -hmm. and that is again usually between you know 10 and 15 miles. And then it ends with a 5K run. And so that is kind of the short distance in our sport. The longest distance is an Ironman, which people are more familiar with, but might not know the exact distances. Mm -hmm. um, but that ends in a full marathon. 
marathon, right? So you can just imagine what the, the equivalent distances are for that. Oh, wow. So I've participated in everything from sprint to a full Ironman. Mm. So it depends on what distance you're training for, mm -hmm. what time commitment that takes, and also in what your goals are, right? Some people start with the goal to participate and finish. Uh, we want them to finish feeling strong, of course, right. and proud of themselves. Others are there to win, right? Or there to beat their best time. And so depending on what their goals are, training looks a little bit different. Sometimes it's really more like maintenance and this is a goal that you set so that you stay motivated. And other times it is a goal that you set because you want to beat your best time. The, the training can be three months, six months, maybe even more or? Exactly, so it really, again, depends on where you start, right? Okay. If somebody starts out not being very physically active, they might take it a little bit slower to kind of get into the groove. And if you are training for a very long distance, the time commitment is extraordinary, and that can be really what you're spending all of your free time doing. Mm -hmm. So it, it kind of depends on where you start, mm -hmm. and then also on where you want to finish, right? By the time you are training for a longer distance, it's really about just keeping going, right? Okay. Like how many hours can you keep going and can you do it feeling strong and without injury? Mm -hmm. When you're getting started, you really, again, want to make sure that you're not getting injured so that you can continue to do this, but it's a gateway to being physically active, right? You don't have to do all three every day. In fact, you don't even have to do more than one workout a day. When you get a little bit more serious and maybe want to increase your speed, some people will go to, you know, maybe they're swimming in the morning and they're going for a short run in the evening. So sometimes those do double up, but it really depends on if you are treating it as recreation and physical fitness or mm -hmm. something that you're really competitive at. And that reminds me, when Race El Paso began, I think I was one of the first participants being involved. That was in 2010. That was the first race we produced, so that yes. was my first <laughs> event as a race director, which was in 2010, September 5th, 2010. <laughs> <laughs> and in that time, I considered myself more physically fit and active, and I said, okay, I can do this. I did do some running, I did do some cycling. The swimming was there, I was like thinking, okay, yay, nay, can I do this? But I remember when I would train, I would say to myself, okay, do I focus today cycling and running? And if I don't do swimming, uh, I'll just make it up. Or do I focus this week on just swimming so I could all my three disciplines can be the same? I mean, that was years ago. It was my first time as, as a triathlon athlete. Do people still go through that and think about that? I think everybody goes right. through oh, that. Okay. So beginners especially are kind of going into the unknown. Right? So a triathlon starts with a swim and then it goes immediately into a bike and mm -hmm. then you finish with a run. Some people might come to it with one strong discipline that mm -hmm. they feel very comfortable mm -hmm. at, but really have to work at the others. Some come to it without really a strong background in any of them mm -hmm. and, and kind of are just getting started. I think some of the things that happen are that people assume that they know who's fast by looking at them. <laughs> really? They assume they know who can do what by looking at them. Huh. And one of the things that we've seen, especially in El Paso, mm -hmm. is that that really isn't the case. You know, you might see somebody who visually you imagine is very fit, mm -hmm. but they just learned how to swim last month. And so they're just learning how to do it. They're nervous in the water. Maybe they're a strong runner, but they never had swimming experience. Okay. So triathlon can be really beautiful in that aspect as well, because it can be a great equalizer, 
somebody right. who is fast at one may be slower at another. Uh -huh. And so you really know, never know who's gonna cross that finish line first just by what you imagine. A fun fact about Eagle and the Sun Triathlon in mm -hmm. 2010, uh -huh. which was the start, been back in El Paso after having been gone about 15 years yeah. and started that race. There was a lot of concern because people were like, nobody's going to do that here. Nobody knows what it is. We sold out that first year with 450 participants. And shortly you know, before the race, I freaked out completely because I kept getting questions from people that were like, well, who's going to watch my bike? Do I go to the bathroom to change? Right? Because nobody understood the logistics since yeah. we didn't have a community that had seen it before. If your brother, cousin, friend has never done one, who are you gonna ask, right? These basic questions. So we held a beginner's briefing and that was really what turned Eagle in the Sun and other race El Paso events from just events to opportunities to educate and really try to help people get more comfortable before they get to the race and the start date. Just producing an event to offer that to trying to create a culture of health in El Paso right. and move people along and really give them the support that they need to be successful. And I do remember that after I competed, I think I was ready for the next one. In a triathlon, you're an individual. But of course, when you're in another sport, uh, say a sport of a football, basketball, baseball, you already have that group support. Mm -hmm. But here, I think there's people searching for that support that there is, and is there? And how important is that for the competitor? You know, it's been a really wonderful thing to watch. El Paso has really changed with regard to clubs, from bicycle clubs to running clubs, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to very informal networks of people that have now found each other. One of the things that we've seen with our all-female race, Mighty Mujer Triathlon, mm -hmm. is that we do offer this series of clinics and women may show up alone to just get more information, but they walk out with invitations to go for a run, to meet somebody for a bike ride. They might trade information about a swim coach. So all of that has really taken shape because more and more people are participating in the sport. There's more resources, we have more coaches around, and we have more groups that are really supporting that. So some of it's informal, and some of it is really you know clubs that have, have taken shape. And they keep getting bigger. I mean, there's still triathlons happening. Absolutely. After so many years. And also for the athletes to perform at their best, uh, whether it's an age group or an elite uh, competition, do they also need to hone in their mental skills besides their physical skills? How do they build that athlete mindset? I do think that that is a big part of just sport in general. I think it ties back into Gabby's comments about what is your ultimate goal in doing this? Is it to finish? Is it for your overall physical health? Is mm -hmm. it for to get faster, to beat maybe a, a personal best at the same event or something different. Knowing clearly what your goals are, setting realistic goals to begin with. Actually thinking like, what could I accomplish? Maybe having an A and a B goal. So giving yourself like those things to work towards, I think can really help with that motivation of just pushing through those hard days, working through those moments where you do feel uncomfortable in training and knowing that that's what makes you stronger. I need to be disciplined in this, but I can also give myself grace. So this balance of, of that kind of an athletic mindset. You're listening to United and Resilient. We'll be right back with our guests, Gabriela Gallegos and Naomi Briones. Now we shift to our intermission segment of Where Were You on August 3rd with our guest, Valerie Mendoza. 
She is the former resiliency navigator with the El Paso United Family Resiliency Center and shares her personal story of the August 3rd, 2019 tragedy. Hi, my name is Valerie Mendoza, and this is my August 3rd story. So the morning of August 3rd, I had woke up early um, to go eat breakfast with my sister, which is normal every weekend kind of thing. And um, I, the night before, I had let my daughter spend the night at a friend's house, and my son was still asleep. Um, so I was sitting, waiting for breakfast, and I was on Facebook, and I was like, hey, sister, something's going on. And I was like, there's like reports on Facebook that something's happening at Walmart, Tula Vista. I was like, it's probably a drill. That's probably what it is. And she's like, yeah. Unfortunately, videos started popping up on Facebook, and I was like, I don't think it's a drill. And she was like, get off of there, get off of there. You're scaring yourself, like stop watching. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'm shocked, you know? And she was like, no, let me see. You know, my mom called me, where are you? You know, what are you doing? Uh, where are the kids? You know, are they safe? Um, so I called my daughter. I told her, don't you dare go anywhere. I'm on my way to pick you up. Um, I called my son. Hey, are you okay? I mean, I knew I had left him at home asleep, but I just wanted to make sure. Go to pick up my daughter, and we're just watching the reports come in. Both me and her sitting there shocked, you know, as to what just happened to our community. And then um, my son woke up and, you know, he was like, oh my God, I was like, do you know anybody that, you know, like, that might have been there, like, girlfriend, like, was she okay? Her family okay? Like, just making sure that nobody we knew was there. Thankfully, everybody, you know, that we knew in our family and was safe and they were nowhere near the site. So later on that afternoon, after a few hours, I decided to go back to my sister's house. My whole family ended up at my sister's house. We kind of just sat outside and we were kind of just in shock as a whole family. The rest of the night, everybody just stayed there. We stayed there and we ate there. The feeling was just shock, you know? And um, I said a little bit earlier where, you know, nobody we knew was there, but in all honesty, it was like our grandmas and our grandpas and our tias and our tios that were there that had to endure it. I remember preparing for the Luminarias for remembrance a year later. The only thing that me and my family wanted to do was get together and be together that day. And that was the last thing that we could do a year later. So that was really tough. I think that was um, something that was very impactful for me because, you know, that's all we did was get together and stay together and make sure that we were all safe. And then a year later, we couldn't even do that. I do remember that my son that day was like, Mom, uh, let me go um, donate blood. They're taking donations. I need to go donate blood. And I was like, if they allow you to, you can go, but you're only, the time he was only like 16 or 17, and I was like, I don't think they're, they're gonna allow you to. Of course, in Trail Paso fashion, they were like, you know what, we have plenty of blood donors, you know, like, we ask that you don't come, we'll hold, you know, other drives. Over the past three years, I do believe that the community has come together. When I explain our services, I always explain we were all affected in one way or another. And like I said, that was our grandma that used to go every morning to that Walmart or our Theo. Or... So I definitely think that it's brought 
the El Paso community together. Even though it's been three years, it's something that I don't think we will ever be able to completely forget and shouldn't be forgotten. I definitely feel that the message of hope is basically community. It didn't matter what you did for a living. It didn't matter how much you made. It didn't matter. None of that mattered at that point. We were all united, we were all together, and um, we should definitely just continue to do that. Thank you. We now return to our united and resilient guests, Gabriela Gallegos and Naomi Briones. When an athlete pushes himself through that pain, no pain, no gain, right, that they right. say, that they tell each other, to improve their performance, do they also go through some type of mental health issues like anxiety or depression? I definitely think they can, and I okay. think we see that in all levels, right? You can see that in the amateur level, you can see that in the professional level. That ties into, again, what is your motivation? What are your goals? Is this becoming like an obsession where if you don't meet your goals, you're, you did a horrible thing or like you're a bad person or you didn't succeed. I'm a failure because you didn't meet that. So it's the pressure that we put on ourselves too. Whereas if you go into it with the mindset of, I just want to be active. Yeah. I just want to like live a healthy mm -hmm. lifestyle and just mm -hmm. integrate this into my life. This isn't all of me. This isn't my whole identity as an athlete. Finding that balance of there's more to me than just sport. And why am I doing this sport? for my physical and mental health. Right. And so where is that balance fall and when do you cross into that line where maybe it does lead into some like anxiety, depression and other types of mental health. If I was to go back in after 15 years, right. 15 pounds I like to say, <laughs> uh, if I was to go back in, I do want to be better than I was before. Mm -hmm. If I miss the training, does that build an anxiety, uh, uh, some kind of depression? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it can, it can mess with your head, if you will, to think that I missed this workout or maybe you got sick or you got injured and that's going to set you back. I've been there, I've I've been injured, I've been sick, I've been set back in my training and I get to a race and I don't feel like I'm as trained as I w wish I was. That's okay. Why am I doing this sport? I'm doing it because it's part of my lifestyle. I enjoy it. I want to be healthy, I want to be active and I signed up and I paid for it. So I'm going to race it even if I'm not going to perform the way that I want to. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it really is just that mental perspective and just kind of how you talk to yourself about the effort you put in and then the effort you expect to achieve. And always have fun. Yes, yes. Right, and one of the things I think you're touching on is, is that goal motivational? Mm -hmm. Or is that goal now scary, looming, and if something goes wrong, you're not gonna be able to live with yourself. If the goal is a looming cloud, that might not be the right goal for you, right? Mm -hmm. If the goal is motivational and gets you excited, it's okay to be disappointed, but it is a different thing for that to kind of, you know, wreck your week or, you know, make you feel that you're not a good person anymore mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. that you have some sort of deficit because something went wrong. It's one of the beautiful things that we actually learn in sport, right? Yeah. You learn to go through certain areas, you try to understand the difference between soreness and pain, and it's the same physically and mentally. It's one thing to be disappointed and to want to do better and to be a little frustrated with yourself. It's a different thing for that to turn into a mental health condition that you were managing mm -hmm. because it you went over the edge. And you know, being in, in good physical health, uh, eating a balanced diet, getting the regular exercise that affects our mental health. 
Do you recommend any exercises to improve our mental health? Simple exercises or any? I do, again, think it comes back to that mindset and perspective. If there's anything that kind of is like soul filling, I think that counts. If that is going out for a run with friends, going for a swim with a group, finding a group to go cycling with, meditation practices, yoga, Reiki, spiritual aspects, religious aspects, anything like that that touches into kind of like your soul and that self-care, I really think benefits the whole person, right? That holistic approach of your mind, body, and your soul are all connected, especially as an athlete as well. And I would want to add one thing. So I would say during a competition, there are definitely things that I know athletes use. So they might be visualizing themselves in the next portion. If you're finishing your bike ride, you might be thinking about, okay, when I get back to transition, I need to take off my helmet, put on my shoes. This is what that's gonna look like, you know, and really kind of get themselves into that mindset before they're in the middle of it. And that can be helpful before any event, you know, just to kind of think through, how do I want this to go? What do I wanna feel? What do I wanna think? If things get hard, do I have a go-to happy place that I use to help me push through that? I know that when I was doing longer distances, I had songs. And I had songs in my head that I would start singing that I knew would either calm me down if I was getting worked up and going too fast mm -hmm. and I needed to relax a little bit, um, or others that if I had kind of taken the foot off the pedal a little bit and I wanted to kick it up, that I would start kind of thinking about that song and singing it in my head so that I would pick up the pace a little bit. Oh wow, that's very effective. I do go to the gym here and there, and the ones that are dedicated, they stress out when they miss a leg day, uh, an arm day. Can this type of stress develop into a mental tension? What do you recommend for people to handle this? You're more than just an athlete. Mm -hmm. So if you miss a workout because you had something come up in your life of another area, like with friends or family or work, something else that's important to you, that's okay. And so kind of giving yourself permission that if you miss one or two workouts here and there, it's not going to hinder your overall performance long term. Obviously, again, like with injury and sickness, that can have like forced longer breaks. So that will take some time. But knowing that you can always build back up. It's not that you'll never be able to go back to working and towards achieving those goals. It just is. If it's a setback, it's a very minor one. It's still achievable. Yes. Yeah. I know that athletes can feel nervous, unsettled, unsettled, or they feel more pressure to play their best. They experience excitement or nervous jitters before and during the competition. Sometimes these athletes who feel the jitters are the players who may underperform. Any tips on helping an athlete be more confident right before the going out in the field or right before, before they hear the gun, you know, hitting the, uh, the air and start of the race? Any tips for to calm those nervous? I like what Gabby said about the songs and like the visualization points. I think that's huge, like to kind of visualize yourself going through the race, visualize yourself being successful through the swim, visualize yourself being successful through T1 and the, and the bike and T2 and the run and like finishing the race, that visualization. And I really feel like just pumping yourself up in a positive way, being encouraging of you got there. You're at the start line, you made it there. That was your number one, like that's goal number one, right? Is to get to the start line. Goal number two is to finish, get to that finish line. So if anything, you got there, you get to start and you'll see how the day goes and kind of go in with the mindset of, I'm gonna just 
do my best, push as hard as I can and see what I get. I would say everybody's different. And uh -huh. so it's really important to know yourself. Some people really need some quiet time to just kind of be ready and feel like they are centered and ready for the race. Others get a lot of energy from talking to the people around them, right? And from wishing them good luck and saying hello. A lot of folks are battling nerves, you know? It is something and that's kind of part of the excitement and it can be motivational. It can also be terrifying, right? So depending on which side of the fence you're on when you get a start, if it's something new, there's a lot of fear of the unknown. But I think knowing yourself and trying to do what you know is going to benefit you is really important. It also can help to look around and realize that everybody else has nerves too. Yeah. You're not alone. Uh, I've had conversations with people who are you know, starting their first triathlon and nervous about you know, being in a bathing suit or how they look or how they feel or you know, those sorts of things. And it can be helpful to remind them everybody else is worried about themselves too. They're not worried about you. Mm -hmm. um, they're worried about getting themselves ready to race. Yeah. And so their nerves may look different than your nerves, but everybody's got it in one way or another. If we know an, an athlete who's struggling with their mental health, uh, I know we should refer them to get help from a professional. What are the warning signs that we notice on them? Anything with irritability, anger, if there's isolation, um, any kind of like eating or sleeping habit changes or issues. I think that's another yellow flag. Low self-worth, like really critical thinking patterns. Um, we can be pretty hard on ourselves and say pretty hurtful things to ourselves that we would never think to say to another person. So I think that's another kind of point there is maybe that's crossed into some unhealthy mental balances or factors. Not many people have that time or energy to commit for a, a three month or six month or nine month training plan. A strong mental health must be always in place. Do you encourage, is this, is this feasible and achievable for the beginner triathlete? So I'm going to jump in and say, I do think everybody has the time. It just looks a little bit different depending on what your life is, yeah. right? So people mm -hmm. who might have a very active family might have to work a little bit differently to fit it in. Moms who take their kids to the track and they're walking while the mom is running or they're doing it together. Families get excited about going for bike rides together and that can be one way to do it. The pool is an easy thing to do with friends and family. Those who have strange work schedules may be fitting it in very early or in the evening. I think a lot of triathletes develop the habit of early morning workouts because it is kind of a quiet time okay. in households or you know, you're not disrupting dinner because you left for an hour and are coming back. So you can do that, you can get it in, run or bike outside your front door, you know, swimming is a little bit different. Everybody's life changes from year to year. If somebody has a very big goal, they may make that their priority for that year or for that you know three months. And at other times, it's really more just what you're doing to stay active, mm -hmm. right? So you might do something every day, but it may not be as goal-oriented as it was when you were trying to beat the best time, right. you know, or something along those lines. So I think it looks a little bit different depending on who you are and what your work and family life looks like, but it is achievable and it's actually something that very often helps your family relationships because you are managing stress by continuing to be physically active. You have more energy in a lot of ways, mm -hmm. you know, because you're out and doing things and, and it's counterintuitive, but you know, when you have done something physically active, you often have a lot of energy throughout the day. I'd also just kind of like to add that mm -hmm. I completely agree with anybody can do it. And as far as 
Like our triathlon events, we have 5Ks as an option. So you can just come and run or walk a 5K. Anybody could really train for a sprint triathlon if they wanted to. So it's kind of, I think, really honoring the season of life that you're in and finding the goals, the distances, the events that fit in with that. And knowing that if you want to go longer, if you want to go bigger, you'll be able to get there again in maybe a different season. So, Very good tips. I like that. Tell us here in El Paso, where can people get information? Where can they jump into their first triathlon? So raceelpaso.com is the best place to go for information. We have Eagle in the Sun Triathlon, which is the one that you did in 2010. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that is going to take place in late August here at Escarate Park. Okay. Um, the pool is beautiful. It is a 50 meter pool outdoors. And so that's where the swim takes place. We actually closed the border highway for the bike course. And so you have absolutely beautiful cycling and cars cannot even try to get on because the exits <laughs> are closed. And then the run is here on the Paso Norte Trail. And so we like to highlight kind of new aspects of our infrastructure and that was one that constructed a number of years ago and so our runners use that course. Those who are not interested in or ready to do the swim, the bike, and the run as an individual can do a relay and that's a great way to get friends and family involved. So one can do the swim, one does the bike, one does the run, or you can do a combo of two. We also offer aqua bike, swim and bike, no run. Those who might have knee issues, you know, or don't run anymore can do that. So we really do have options for everyone. Naomi mentioned the 5K run walk. That is a great way to kind of get a taste of the excitement without doing everything if you're not ready for it. The other thing that we always need is volunteers. And so we love to recruit people to come out and cheer. They get specific, you know, duties. They are also a part of the action. That's great. I think you just gave me a little push. I want to make you both my support group <laughs> to continue. I really do enjoy that. Now with all the information that you provided us, <laughs> I'll be there again. You said in August. Can you remind us again where they could get information? RaceElPaso.com Now we've already come to the conclusion episode of our podcast. And here's a question that we ask all my guests. What message of hope can you provide to the El Paso community since our tragedy of August the 3rd? So I've only been in El Paso for a little over a year, so I am very new to this community. It just strikes me as a very strong, proud, and resilient city, kind of from the get-go. And there is just a lot of support and camaraderie. And I, I guess I would just say, don't lose that. Like, stick together. And I know there's a lot of unique challenges with being a border city that other places don't don't experience and don't understand that strength and camaraderie stick with that stay true to that and check on check on each other like just keep tabs on each other so wonderful thank you miss Gabriela. well said a couple of years ago we actually had the pleasure of working with the resiliency center here and hosting triathlon training groups for beginners we hosted four different training groups of 10 people each and we were able to welcome them across the finish line and really it was to help those who were affected by the tragedy of August 3rd feel that resilience and exhilaration of setting a goal, working together as a group and achieving it. I feel like whether it's triathlon or other aspects of life, having that support around you and being able to lean on friends, family, coworkers, all of the people around you is something that El Paso is very, very good at. And so we are willing to show up. We are there to cheer you all the way that is something that is hopeful that all of us can depend on thank you for sharing 
your thoughts, your expertise, and of course the where we are now as a community to where we were since August the 3rd. And the tips that you gave our self-care for our physical being, our emotional being, and our mental health. Also, thank you very much. And thank you for being on the show. Thank, thank you. you. And thank you everyone for listening. As we learned, athletes set high expectations for themselves and often feel there's a greater pressure to succeed so they do not let people down. They're not just trying to succeed for themselves, but for their parents, coaches, and teammates. It is crucial for, for athletes to learn strategies for approaching competition with a healthier mindset. Our mental health and mental performance are foundational components of development by uniting players, parents, and coaches. Always get adequate sleep, eat nutritiously, and practice injury prevention techniques like stretching or taking a rest day. Talk through on your stressors that you feel and don't hold in the things that are frustrating you. Instead, just confide in a friend, a family member, or a professional. And as always, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at El Paso United FRC, where you can learn more about our commitment to the community's long-term recovery and I am signing off as this is my last episode hosting the show. It was a pleasure and an honor to bring great information throughout the year to each and every one of you. I will be in a different podcast elsewhere in the near future, still seeking out and delivering wonderful information in your lives. And as always, I hope the best for each of you and hope to see you soon. Goodbye for now. <laughs>